Amen. If you have your Bible, you turn to Luke chapter 5. A couple quick hitters tonight is the Awakening Conference. We're starting tonight. It's going to be a powerful, powerful night. If you haven't registered, you can register today outside in the lobby or you can register at the door. Also, we start a new sermon series next week called The Master Class, walking through the Sermon on the Mount for the next few months. We're going to start that with my dear friend who's uh, been part of this house for a long time. Dr. R.T. Kendall is going to be in the house. Uh, so you don't want to miss that. He's an amazing friend, amazing minister, amazing Bible teacher. And so he'll be here next week. Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. Great, great scripture. R.J. is in the middle of basketball season. They have their last game this next Tuesday night. He played Friday night. Actually broke his arm, so he's done for this season. People say, well, I'm so sad. No, we expect him to break something. He breaks something about every three to six months. Like the orthopedics know us by name. They told us last time, you know, you come in here in every July. Let's just stay home in July. So we, we expect that. But we've been working on him following his shot. So if you don't know anything about basketball, basketball, you, you shoot a shot. There's a chance it can go in. There's a chance you may miss it. It'll bounce off and you can get the rebound. And so when you get the rebound, you can put that shot back up. So you get a second chance. And so many times you can shoot but if you don't follow your shot, you have no chance for the rebound. And so I've been trying to tell him that, hey, when you shoot your shot, follow your shot so you can get the rebound. You'll score off that rebound many times. And so last week he had a game. He shot. He followed his shot. He actually got the rebound and scored. And I told him, I said, do you see that there's a process? And if you work the process, you'll score. But we live in a day and age where we're, we're so outcome focused we missed the process. So check out this video of a couple NBA players not following their shot. Those two guards have been game changers tonight. Walker, long three. Oh, trickled off. And the rebounder, Richardson. Still an opportunity with a minute to play. Not this shimmy. It's closing time. Oh, no. Look how much enthusiasm the Lakers are playing with. More from, got, more from Swaggy oh, 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 oh. His name is Swaggy P. Note to parents, don't let your daughter date anybody named Swaggy anything. Like, these are NBA players. They're shooting their shot. But before the shot goes in, they're already turning and facing another direction. They're not following their shot to get a rebound. And what happens is we're so outcome-oriented as people we miss the process, and the goal is not the outcome. The goal is the process. For the God of the outcome is also God of the process. If God was just concerned with the outcome, he would skip the whole plan of the gospel from Genesis 3 all the way. He would just save us at the moment Adam and Eve sinned. But God is a God of process. But we live our lives like these two basketball players. We just want the outcome. And if the outcome doesn't work, we just go a separate way. But God is the God of the outcome, is also the God of the process. If it's not working out, maybe, just maybe, if you don't have the outcome yet, maybe, just maybe, you haven't engaged in the process yet. Maybe if you haven't scored in your faith or scored in your marriage or scored in your finances or scored in your deliverance, maybe it's time that you follow your shot, get the rebound, and try again. In Luke chapter 5, this scripture is so powerful. What's going on is Jesus just got done teaching, and it says this, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. 
getting into one of the boats, which is Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep. Everybody say the deep. You got to go deeper. He said, you got to go deeper than you are right now, Simon. Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Peter's response and Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing. I mean, I've already tried this. I already shot my shot, Jesus. I've already tried this once. I've already, I've already worked. We worked all night. I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of this. He says, we've already toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. He's saying, you may have shot your shot, but you need to rebound and try again. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled the boats so they began to sink. What's amazing is they tried it the night before and it didn't work. They worked all night and it didn't work. They toiled all night and it didn't work. But the next day, Jesus tells them to try again. Maybe for some of you, it's time that no matter how hard you've tried, no matter how many times you failed, no matter how many times you slipped and messed up, no matter how many times it didn't work the way you wanted to work out, maybe it's time you just try again. Maybe it's time you forget about what happened last night and you start thinking about what can happen today. The difference between last night and today with Peter was last night he worked really hard, but today he did it with Jesus. And when you do it with Jesus, it goes a whole nother way. But you need to know that just because something didn't work on the last time, it does not mean it's not going to work out in the future. Just because it didn't work out the last time you tried it does not mean it's going to work this time when you try it again. The past does not determine the future in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a kingdom that breaks the past to create a new future. And so you need to know that no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've tried, no matter how much effort you put in, no matter how many times you've missed your goals or missed your expectations, no matter how many times you've tried, it does not determine the future consequences if you try again. Your past unmet expectations, your past unmet goals, your past broken dreams is not the template for your future. Mark Batterson, one of my favorite authors, similarly got pastor in Washington, D.C., he's, I think he has 11 best-selling books. Pastors National Community Church, one of the great churches in D.C. It's at Capitol Hill, ministers to tons of congressmen and senators and just an incredible, incredible church. They've done incredible things. Mark has done incredible things. You've probably read the book Circle Maker or In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, uh, Primal, uh, Win the Day, all these books he's written. He has Ebenezer's Coffee House, have the D.C. Dream Center, which is an incredible outreach ministry. All these things, and he considers himself, when he introduces himself, if you've ever been around Mark or heard him speak, he'll introduce himself as this. I'm a failed church planner. He'll say, I'm a failed church planner. I planted a church when I was 22 years old, and it never made it off the ground. A few years later, I planted National Community Church. As a failed church planner, I tried again and planted another church. And this church, we started with 19 people. He said, I, I wish I could say that we grew from 19 to thousands in a year. He said, we grew from 19 to maybe 25 in the first year. He said, it took us five years to go from 19 to 250. 
But now it's a church of multiple thousands, multiple campuses. Like I said, the D.C. Dream Center, Ebenezer's Coffee House, which is a coffee shop right next to the, the, the SEC, which is the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. So almost every single person on Capitol Hill gets coffee from Ebenezer's Coffee Shop, which all the revenue goes to support missionaries and advance the gospel. And none of that would have happened if he had said, I toiled all night the last time and I failed miserably, I'm not going to do it again. But Mark had this mindset, if I toiled all night, last time I planted this church and didn't work, but at your word, God, I'm going to try again. See, your past does not determine your future. Just because you had a divorce last time doesn't mean your next marriage is going to end in divorce. Just because you prayed last time and it wasn't answered doesn't mean your next prayer is not going to be answered. See, it does not determine. See, we have to come to this mindset. That if God calls you to something, God is faithful to finish what he started. Peter, I need you to go out a little bit deeper. And there you'll find your case. But here's the problem. Many of us never even get to the point of even trying again because we stay so close to the shoreline as we can. We're never challenged by God to go deeper. And this is, this is the problem I see with us. We stop way too shallow of where God has called us to be. We stop way too shallow. He tells Simon, he says, I need you to go a little bit deeper. I mean, they were too close to the shoreline. And what is going on is Lake of, Gennes- of Gennesaret is actually the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is this amazing, amazing body of water. It's about 15 miles long, about seven miles wide. It's 141 feet at the deepest point of the Sea of Galilee. If you go there now, I was there a couple years ago with Pastor Brian, actually, and Will Ford de Havilland's husband. We were there. It's a very deserted kind of rural all the way around this lake. But in Jesus' time, it was a flourishing, prosperous area. It would be an area kind of like Muscle Shoals or Florence on the water with amazing homes and mansions, amazing markets right there on the water, flourishing, prosperity, all these amazing things. And what happened was Peter was close to the shore because that's where his comfort was. He was close to the shore because that's where the materialism was. He was close to the shore because that's where the the money was. He's close to the shore because that's where the customers are. He was close to the shore because that's where the prosperity was. He was close to the shore because that's where the comfort was. So he's staying close to the shore. And for many of us, just like Peter, we like to stay as close to the shore as we possibly can be. Because where the shore is, there's safety. Where the shore is, there's comfort. Where the shore is, there's American consumerism and American materialism and American comfort. See, when you stay close to the shore, you may find safety, but you never find the blessing. You may find comfort, but you never find the power that you're looking for. And I think we have gotten way too comfortable with an American mindset of consumerism and materialism to go into the depths of true, authentic, powerful, supernatural Christianity. Much like Peter stayed as close as he could to that shoreline, we say, I need you to hear this. God has not called you to be a good American. He's called you to be an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. And until you discover that the shoreline of comfort is the place of where all your materialism, all your comforts reside, that you can't experience the goodness of God until you go out a little bit deeper. Because this is the principle that is extremely true. Shallow Christianity is a powerless Christianity. 
Shallow Christianity is a powerless Christianity. It's amazing no matter where I go in the world, if we go to Haiti, there's power in the church. If I go to El Salvador, there's power in the church. If I go to Cuba, there's power in the church. And the reason is because their Christianity is not shallow. They are far from the shores of comfort. They're far from the shores of American materialism. They're far from the shores of of government being their provider. They're far from the shores. They're so far deep, their faith is anchored only in the power and goodness and love of Jesus. So until we come to this place of realizing that maybe my Christianity is not that powerful, maybe it's because my form of Christianity is just too shallow. Maybe it's shallow theology. Maybe it's shallow prayer. Maybe it's shallow devotion. Maybe it's shallow commitment. Maybe it's shallow love. Maybe it's whatever it is. Maybe it's just so shallow you never get the depths of who God really is. Is And the problem with that is that God has not called you to be a shallow Christian. In Psalm 42, 7, it says, deep calls to deep. I hear people who are deconstructing their faith or people that are, have turned to become an agnostic or atheist, whatever the term may be. And, and they'll say this, well, you know, I tried, to, I tried Christianity, it just didn't work. Well, Christianity is not something you try. Christianity is a complete surrender of your life and your will and your desires at the feet of Jesus so he gives you something new. And so maybe their Christianity didn't work because it wasn't a Christianity of self-denial and surrender. It was a Christianity of I want God to bless my life and bless my stuff. And so maybe you're one of those people that said, I've tried this before. I've tried to follow Jesus. I've tried to walk it out. I've tried to live right. I've tried to pray before. I've tried to do it and it just didn't work. Well, maybe your Christianity was just way too shallow. And maybe, just maybe, just as with Peter, maybe you've been on the shore way too long. And maybe, just maybe, if you want the blessings of God, you have to go a little bit deeper. If you want God's best for you, you have to go deeper. God's best is never found in a comfort zone. God's best is never found on the shoreline of American nationalism, evangelicalism, whatever the term is. God's best is always found in the depths and the glory of his kingdom. And I don't know about you, but it is not faith until you can't see the bottom anymore. So I'm going to confess just a little bit. How many of y'all have ever gone to the lake and gone swimming? Raise your hand. How many of y'all gone to the beach and gone to the ocean and went swimming? Raise your hand. How many of you, when you go out into the water or the lake, once you get where you can't touch anymore and you can't see the bottom anymore, you either go back a little few steps or you lift up your feet because you're scared a shark is going to eat your feet? Raise your hand. Okay, all of us. Right, there's something about when you start going out deeper... The moment you can't see the bottom or the moment you can't feel the bottom, fear overtakes advancement. So I'll stop advancing out further 
because I'm scared because I can't feel the bottom and I can't see the bottom. So I'm placing my faith in what I can feel and what I can see instead of where God has called me to be. In the same way, spiritually, once we get out where it's a little too deep for our tradition or a little too deep for our comfort or a little too deep for my mind or a little too deep for what my grandmama or my grandfather taught me or a little too deep for my grandfather's uncle who used to be a deacon at the Second Baptist Church out in the middle of nowhere used to tell me, as soon as it gets too deep for my mind or my comfort, we pull back. And when you pull back, you lose God's best for you. Because God's best is never going to be where you can see the bottom. It's never going to be where you can still stand up. It's going to be where it's complete and absolute surrender of your fears, of everything you've ever known. Complete surrender where God is the only one who can support you in the water. It destroys a mindset of shallow faith. It destroys a mindset of shallow devotion. It destroys a mindset of shallow theology. Because if I want the best God has for me, I have to break down my shallow love. And begin to learn the very basic principle of deep love, not loving your friends. Jesus said even sinners do that, but loving your enemies. If I'm going to discover God's best for me, I have to get away from what everyone else has taught me and dig deep into God's word for me to discover the riches of his beauty and his grace and his providence and his sovereignty and his power for myself. If I'm going to discover God's best for me, I can't depend on the pastor to pray for me. I have to dig deep wells and pour into the prayer of what I want to experience in the presence and intimacy of God. See, God's best for you is never going to be where you are right now. It's always going to be where God is taking you. And until you find that place, you're going to lose it. And so how you get there is to go deeper with God. You need a holy dissatisfaction where where you already are. Until you're sick and tired of being where you are, you're never going to trust God to take you deeper. And the prayer, once you're dissatisfied with where you are, where you are in your marriage, where you are with your finances, where you are with your church, where you are with your ministry, until you're wholly dissatisfied, you're never going to come to this place of saying, God, show me your glory. See, there's a big difference between saying, God, show me your glory and saying, God, bless me. God, show me my purpose is much different than saying, God, show me your glory. Because I believe that prayer of God, show me your glory, blinds me to my own purpose, blinds me to my own giftings, blinds me to my own desires. And it's completely broken the state of God just reveal to me exactly who you are and what you want from me. And to get there, you have to go deeper. You have to go deeper in prayer. Prayer is not a, a religious duty or discipline. It's an appointment with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's not what we do before we pray for our our newborn's catfish just to make sure God keeps our our arteries from being clogged up. It's not even as much as going and praying for the sick people. See, it's an appointment with the king where he'll give you your directions for the next few moments. And until you come to this place of getting away from the shoreline of these little bitty baby prayers that do nothing more than appease your religious tradition. 
and realize you're scheduling time and appointment with the King of Kings who, like we said earlier, knows your name, cares about you, knows the beginning from the end, who knows everything you need and everything planned for you. He can give you what you need and walk with you while he gives it to you. Until you get to this place, prayer needs to go deeper. That's why we do days of prayer. That's why we do seek nights. That's why we, we do all this only to help you go deeper. Because most of us, we only petition God. God, please, you know, bless my job. God, bless my employer. God, bless my kids. God, bless my wife. We, we just petition God. Do you realize that, that, that's a small portion of prayer? Prayer is intimacy. Where I'm spending time with my Savior, who until the day I got saved was waiting and waiting and waiting for me to sit down and spend time with him. It's me pouring my heart and pouring my love into him. And him pouring his heart and pouring his love into me. It's me letting go of everything, every stereotype, every preconceived notion, everything that I try to portray to everybody else. All that is gone. And it's just me, the real me. Not the me I want other people to think. The real me. My flaws, my brokenness, my errors, all my mistakes, all my fears, all my anxieties, all my worries. All of me in the raw before the king. Where he can start showing me where I'm wrong and rebuild me into who he's called me to be. We're all desiring intimacy. And the only place you'll truly find the realest intimacy is in communion with your creator. And when you discover that, when you're intimate with him, there is no depths that you'll ever be afraid of again. There is no shoreline you'll ever want to stay on again. You'll want to stay in the boat with him as far and as long as possible. But the second thing is intercession. That once you start growing deeper in prayer, it moves from asking God for stuff to then pouring your heart and spending time with God. Then in an intercession, praying not just for yourself and your family, but praying for the church and praying for the church at large and praying. That's why you heard Pastor Brian pray for Shane Sweeney and Launch Point. We want to intercede. We don't want to be people that pray for our own personal benefit. Like if God answered all your prayers, the only thing that got better was your bank account, you missed it. Like if he answers all your prayers, not only should your church look better, but the kingdom should look like it completely expanded and took over the earth. Like we pray for other churches because it's not just about us. It's about the king. To go deeper in prayer and deeper into the waters. He's a deep well that he wants to spring up within you and pour out into you, but not just in prayer. Also in reading his scripture, the word of God, this word, We've been hammering our kids about their Bible reading plan all year long. It takes five minutes a day to read God's word. And this word is not just paper and pages and ink. This word has been cherished for almost 7,000 years from the Old Testament. Been handed down from generation to generation because it is the pillar of truth, always has been and always will be. It does not change. Every word in this Bible will come true at some point. The only thing that matters is whether I believe it or not. It does not change whether it's true or not. What we need is to go deeper into God's word to discover the riches of his glory and goodness towards us. To discover his plan that he's unfolding right before our very eyes and to rediscover it. But the problem is, in Jewish tradition, there's four ways to study God's word. There are four deep waters. The first one is level, is, level one is Peshat which is the plain reading of scripture. The problem is we're not even at level one. 
Most Christians don't even read the Bible as reading it. They expect the preacher to read it to them on Sunday and they don't touch it the rest of the week. Level one is just simply just reading God's word, like a Bible reading plan. Level two, remez, which literally means it's a hint. It's like a kaleidoscope. Every time I read, I read through God's word every year. And every time I read the same scriptures, it looks a little different. Some old historical rabbis, you say there's 70 faces to every word of scripture. I mean, that, that word has 70 meanings. You can turn it 70 different times to see diff, 70 different facets of who God is. And when you really start reading God's word, you start studying, you start just believing it and praying it and meditating on it. You start discovering these truths that transform you from the inside out. Level three is derash, which is systematic theology. It's systematically studying a book of the Bible, a scripture, a topic. It's intellectually stimulating. But level four is suit. Suit is this, where you're not just reading God's word. God's word is reading you. See, it's one thing to know God's word. It's another thing to let God's word penetrate your heart and change your heart. And when you get to that place, it builds your inner man. It strengthens your inner man. So now you have the faith to step out. Peter goes from Luke 5, walk, trying to get out deeper in a boat, to then walking later on in Matthew, walking on the water. What changed was he saw the word, then the word got into him. When the word gets into you, you'll step out in places you normally wouldn't step into. And so if you, if you need God's best, you've got to start going deeper to wherever God has you to go. Because the truth is this, the deeper the root, the sweeter the fruit. Some of y'all caught that. The deeper the root, the sweeter the fruit. When you read the parable of the sower, the seed did not take root in shallow ground. The deeper the ground, the deeper the root. I mean, you have to go deeper to get the roots to get the fruit. Everybody wants the fruit, but no one wants the root. And until you want the root, you're never going to get the fruit. You may want the score, but until you follow your shot and go deeper, you're never going to get the fruit you want. And I'm here to tell you, the fruit's not just for you. The fruit is the marketing campaign for the kingdom of heaven. The fruit of the Spirit is how other people see how good the kingdom of heaven is. The fruit of the Spirit is how your kids see that it's not about church, it's about the kingdom of heaven. See, the deeper the root, the sweeter the fruit. And some of y'all got a little sour fruit on your tree. And the only way to change it is to go deeper. You don't change it by working harder. You don't change it by trying to portray an image. You only change it by going deeper. Peter says, we can go deeper, Jesus, but you know what? We did this last night, and I'm tired. He said, I've toiled all night. He said, I'm tired. And there's been seasons of ministry that you're just, I've been tired. When God has asked me to do something, like God, you know, you, you can probably go ask somebody else. I'm tired. He was weary. And I can only imagine Peter standing on the shoreline saying, Jesus, I'm tired. We were up all night last night doing the same thing you're trying to get us to do. Now we're out here, we're on this fishing boat, you're preaching to all these people, we're the ushers, we're the greeters, we're tired, Jesus. Jesus, I'm weary. I've, I've been following you now for a little bit. I'm tired, I'm weary, I've been working. I'm weary, Jesus. Or, Jesus, I, you know, we already tried that, Jesus. Jesus, I already worked that spot, Jesus. Jesus, I've already been doing what you've already asked me to do. It didn't work out last night. Jesus, it's not gonna work today. As a matter of fact, Jesus, I'm a professional fisherman. You are a carpenter. 
I don't know about you, but that doesn't make you a good fisherman. Okay, you're a rabbi. That means you know the Torah, Jesus. I know fishing. I tried all night last night. Could you imagine you going to tell a professional fisherman in Alaska how to fish? After they'd already fished all night long, came back to the dock, they're dead tired, they just want to go to sleep, and you tell them, hey, I think you should go back out. But you should try that spot way out there because you'll probably catch fish out there. Could you imagine this old fisherman's face? I promise you it would not be a PG version. But here's Peter. I'm a fisherman. I'm tired. You're a carpenter. You can probably teach me how to build some stuff. You can probably teach me about the Torah, some of the things in the Torah that I don't understand. You can probably teach me stuff, but I'm a fisherman, Jesus. I, I, I know how to fish. I know that I'm tired. I know nothing was biting last night. I'm going to wait till tonight and go back tonight. I already know. See, you may not say that, but here's what we say. Jesus, he, he doesn't really understand what I've gone through. He doesn't understand what I've done. He doesn't understand how hard I've worked in my marriage. He doesn't understand how hard I've worked in my marriage. He doesn't understand what I've told. He doesn't understand the abuse I've been through. He don't, you don't understand the trauma I've experienced. You don't understand my broken dreams. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't know what I've experienced. See, we may not be like Peter. We say, well, I'm a fisherman and you're the rabbi. We may say, though, but you're in heaven and I'm down here. And you don't know what it's like to go through what I've been through. So to tell me to try again after I've already tried my hardest is like throwing pie in my face because I am tired and I am weary and I've toiled all night. And Jesus, I am tired. How many of you have just gotten tired? Raise your hand. Maybe you are tired in your marriage. You've been fighting for your marriage for years and you're just tired. Maybe in your dreams, you've been fighting to see your dreams come to pass, but you're just tired. Maybe you've been praying for your kids to come back home and get saved, and you're just tired. Maybe we're all like Peter. We just get weary and tired, and our prayer changes from God bless it to God, you don't understand. You, you don't, you didn't have the parents I had, Jesus. You haven't seen the things I've seen, Jesus. You haven't experienced the abuse that I've experienced, Jesus. You haven't experienced the trauma I've experienced. You haven't experienced the people that have spoken and broken my heart, Jesus. You haven't had the offense I've had, Jesus. And we feel like there's this distance because when you're in shallow waters, you feel like you're far away from God. And when you feel like you're far away from God, you feel like you're here, he's there, he can't understand what you're going through. But when you're in deep waters, you remember and you realize and you're aware that he's right there in deep waters with you. See, shallow waters seem safer, but it actually seems much further away from God. And the further away you feel from God is how you will live your life as a reflection of how far away he is. See, the, the, the people who believe God is far away live their life like God is far away. But the be people that believe God is near and close live their life like he's right there near and close. Jesus, you don't know what it's like. I'm tired. I'm weary. I've done it all. It didn't work. But he says this, at your word, I'll try again. At your word, I'll try again. See, what's interesting about that statement is Peter had tried all night. He tells Jesus he's tried all night, but he changes everything because of one thing, the word of Jesus. And what he's saying is, I may not understand 
why we need to go deeper. I may not understand why I failed last time. I may not understand why this happened. I may not understand what happened in the past. I may not understand why this failed. I may not understand, but I will try again. Some of y'all need to understand this. You may not understand why your prayers were not answered last time, but maybe it's time to just try again. You may not understand why your marriage failed last time, but maybe it is time to try again. Maybe you don't understand why when you pushed forward last time you fell flat on your face, but maybe it is time to try again. See, God is the God of the rebound. Just because it didn't work last time does not mean it's not going to work this time. Some of you need to remember that just because something in the past happened and you don't understand why it happened does not mean God is finished with you. It just means it's time to try again. I need somebody that's willing to get back out and go deeper in the waters because maybe it's time to try again. Maybe some of you pray and your prayers were not answered. That doesn't mean it's time to stop praying. It means it's simply time to try again. I may not understand. I may not understand, but at your word, I'll try again. Fishermen telling a rabbi, I'm going to trust your skills over my skills. A fisherman telling a rabbi, I've got all my spots. I'm going to trust your spots instead of my spots. A fisherman that tells a rabbi, I know we need to be close to the shore, but you're saying go deeper. I haven't caught fish deeper, but I'm trusting that you know where to go. He went from trusting in himself to trusting in Jesus. So maybe, you don't understand, but maybe it's time to pray again. You know, there's times I'll go to a hospital, I'll go to ICU, there's times I'll pray at the altar, and I'll pray the prayer of faith. When I say prayer, I'm not just saying, God, you know, I want you to heal. I'm talking about Oral Roberts-style prayer. Like, I'm an oral robber. I am praying, like, I feel like the dead are going to rise, the sick are going to be healed, miracles rest. Like, I pray the prayer of faith, and you get a call a few days later, they pass away. There is nothing as demoralizing to a pastor than when you pray the prayer of faith and healing, and it's not answered. There's prayers I've prayed for our family that have not been answered. There's prayers I've prayed for this church that have not been answered. That doesn't mean I don't pray again. See, because even though there's prayers that haven't been answered, and I don't understand why they weren't answered, there's been a lot of prayers that have been. I haven't seen everybody healed, but I've seen some people healed. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen RJ healed of cystic fibrosis. I've seen Alicia healed of epilepsy. I've seen Toya healed. I've seen people healed of cancer. I've seen people healed. So why, when I miss one shot, would I say, I'm never shooting again? No, just because you don't understand why a prayer wasn't answered doesn't mean you stop praying. It means it's time to pray again. Look at this, this story with Jesus. In Mark chapter 8, it says this, And it came to Bethsaida, and some people brought him a blind man and begged him, and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, there's been enough controversy with Michael Todd over that. We're not going to illustrate that. Had spit on his eyes and laid hands on him. He asked him, do you see anything? Do you see anything? Do you see anything? He asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes. What? What? So you're telling me. 
that Jesus went and prayed the prayer of faith with the blind man and the prayer didn't come to pass the first time? So you're telling me that Jesus, who was walking in the complete anointing and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, prayed for a man. He only saw partial healing. So he did what? He prayed again. So if Jesus had to pray more than once for something, then my goodness, I may have to pray more than once for something. See, what happens is if Jesus was fully God and fully man, had to pray more than once. Why are you praying for something one time and stopping? See, the depths of the waters is when, see, shallow Christianity prays once and you stay there waiting and then you get frustrated with God. Deep Christianity keeps going deeper, 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 deeper in prayer until you experience the fullness of again. Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again and he opened his eyes and his eyes and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. I may not understand but I'm going to pray again. And some of you may not understand why. Some of you may not understand even the how, but maybe it's time that prayer you put away 10 years ago, it's time to get it back out of that prayer closet. Maybe some of y'all been praying for your kids and you got tired because you saw no fruit. Maybe it's time to pray again. Some of you dealing with sickness in your body. Maybe you prayed one time. Here's me. If I was sick, I'd be at the altar every single Sunday. Because it may not be last Sunday's prayer that gets answered. It may be this Sunday's prayer that gets answered. It's time to pray again. It's time to go a little bit deeper and try again. But it's not just prayer. I may not understand, but maybe I need to look again. Maybe even go again. Maybe I don't understand what Jesus is trying to show me, but maybe it's time to try again. It says this in 1 Kings. I love this scripture, man. I, I think Aaron preaches the voice of Sunday. He said this, and he said to the servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Everybody say there's nothing. Nothing. So he tells him to go up and look and there's nothing there. And he said, go, what? There's nothing there though. So he's telling the servant, go up and look. He's, said, well, go again, but there was nothing, like, he saw nothing. And he said, go again seven times. Now, it's probably like talking to your kids to try to get them to do a chore. So I didn't see anything the first time. You want me to go back seven more times? Seven more times, and he goes up seven more times, and at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up to say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black and the clouds and winds, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went back to Jezreel. It took him seven times to see what God was trying to show him. See, maybe, just maybe, the blessing you're looking for is already right in front of you. Maybe in your marriage, the gold that you're looking for in your marriage is already there. Maybe, just maybe, what you're needing is already right in front of you. You just haven't looked well enough or enough to see it. Anytime I pray, I start with thanking God for what he's already placed in front of me before I ever ask for anything. It opens my eyes to keep looking, to keep looking, to keep looking, to keep looking. And nine times out of 10, what I'm about to pray for, I realize I already have in Jesus. But maybe you 
You've been complaining. You've been wondering. You've been looking. You've been crying out. Maybe, just maybe, you need to look again. Maybe in your family, you've been frustrated with your family. Maybe you need to look at them again. Maybe it's your job. You complained about your job and complained about this and complained about that. Maybe you just need to look again. You've been asking for God to bless a certain area of your life. Maybe you just need to look again. Because it's not always about what God has done. It's about what you perceive that God has done. And Habakkuk says that God perceived that God is doing a new thing, but you have to perceive the new thing to see the new thing. God is always doing a new thing, but until you perceive it, until you look again, you're not going to see it. But last but not least, I may not understand, but I'm going to try again. Well, that's with love. Like, I, there's people that I've loved that have broken me, that have betrayed me, that hurt me. I may not understand why, but I'm still going to love again. There's things that I've tried and I just was not good at, and I'm going to try again. See, God is a God who rewards those who rebound. Because when you rebound, he can trust the fact that you're never going to leave something sitting there. You're always going to pick it up and try again. And he says this, as soon as he was resurrected, I love this scripture. It says, but go tell us of this, is the angel telling the witnesses, the ladies, but go tell his disciples and Peter, everybody say and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now, what's interesting about the and Peter, Mark, is Peter is already a disciple. So when he says, go tell his disciples, that would have included Peter, but the angel says, tell his disciples and Peter. Now, this is the first correspondence heaven has had with earth since Peter denied Jesus three times. I, I don't know what Peter's mindset was, but if I had just denied my best friend, denied my Messiah, denied the King of Kings, denied the Lord. If I just denied, I'd probably be in a mental state to feel like a failure. But here the angel says, but go tell disciples and Peter, he's going before you. There he will see you. He's saying, I want to make sure that Peter's in the room so I can remind him that his time to rebound has come. I want to make sure Peter's in the room so he knows I'm not frustrated with his past. His past does not determine the future. I want him to try again. I want Peter in the room, because even though y'all probably been talking trash about Peter, I want Peter to know I haven't talked trash about him. It's time for him to try again. As a matter of fact, when I told him on this rock, I'm going to build my church, even though he feels like a failure and he can't do that now, I want him in the room so I can tell him, hey, on this rock, I'm still going to build my church. See, there's a story to be told in just the word and Peter. God wanted Peter to know that your past does not determine the future. He says, I will try again. Because God is a God who does not count how many times you fall. He counts how many times you get up. You don't believe me? Proverbs 24, 16. For the righteous falls seven times and rises again. He calls them righteous. You realize that he called, now I believe that the translation of that should say, he doesn't expect you to keep falling in the same spot over and over. He expects there to be progress and advancement as you fall. He doesn't expect you to just keep falling in the same sin, the same temptation over and over and over again. But the expectation is that they rise again. Everybody say again. It's time to try 
again. Just because you fail one time, it's time to try again. Just because you fail two times, it's time to try again. Just because you fail three times, it's time to try again. Just because you fail four times, it's still time to try again. Just because you fail five times, it's still time to try again. Just because you fail six times, it's still time to try again. Just because you fail seven times, it's still time to try again. No matter how much you've toiled, no matter how hard you worked, it's time to try again. And last but not least, in the words of one of the greatest prophets ever, Michael Jordan, he said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games 26 times I've been trusted the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. It's not in the failing, it's in the trying again. Peter, I don't care that you tried all night last night. It's time to try again. Peter, I know you denied me three times, but it's time to try again. The principle is follow your shot, get the rebound, and put it up again. Some of you need to know, it does not matter that you failed before. It's time to try again. If every head would bow and every eye would close. Some of you have given up. You've given up on prayer. You've given up on your marriage. You've given up on your faith. The only reason you're here is to appease people that you're close to. Some of you have given up on your salvation. Some of you have given up on God. Some of you have given up on your ministry. Some of you, you've just given up. And maybe it's the words of Peter that you're tired. You're weary. You're exhausted. You're frustrated. You're discouraged. You're disappointed. I want you to know that God is saying, You may not understand, but it is time to try again. The past is not a template for your future. It is time to try again. But you don't try again in shallow waters. You try again in deeper waters. You move away from shallow devotion. You move away from shallow commitment. You move away from shallow prayer. You move away from shallow theology. And you move into the deep waters where you can no longer see the bottom. The only thing there to support you is Jesus and his presence in the water. If that's you, though, today is the first step of going deeper. It's the first step of trying again. If that's you, wherever you're at, this is... Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. This is you. You say, you know what? It's time for me to try again. Whatever area that may be, it's time for me to try again. I want you to stand up right where you are. Whatever pew you're in, it's time to get out of your comfort zone and just stand up right where you are. Anybody else? It's time to move away from the shores of self-ego and pride and comfort, image, religion, tradition, and take a step into the deep waters. For some of you, it's going to be a Peter-type moment. Maybe you feel like you've let Jesus down time after time again. But he's calling your name, just like Melissa saying earlier, go tell my disciples and fill in the blank. 
Go tell my disciples and Bobby. Go tell my disciples and Brian. Go tell my disciples and Jamie. Go tell my disciples and Tommy. Right now is a moment where he's showing you that he's not looking backward, he's looking forward. In Jesus' name. Oh God, we thank you that you are a God of the rebound. That in our weakness, your grace is sufficient. In our despair, disappointment and discouragement and our frustration and our doubt and our worry and our fear and our sin and our mistakes, our temptation. You are right there in the midst of it. Even when we thought we were all by ourselves, even when we thought we were all alone, even when we thought we were closed off, your presence was never far away. You saw every moment, you saw every sin, you saw every frustration, you saw everything. Yet you still say, tell my disciples and blank. Father, I pray right now for a spirit of faith. I pray for the gift of faith to be imparted into each one of these individuals. To move them from the shallow waters to experience the goodness and the richness and the beauty of your glory of your presence. Father, I pray the broken vessels will be restored with new vessels. Father, I pray your spirit be poured out to a measure of overflowing to seal every part of their hearts, to overflow from the inside to the outside, rivers of living water producing fresh water, to push out all the pollution, to push out all the stagnant water, to push out all the moss, to push out all the scum, to push it all out. They give clear picture and clear vision of the newness you've called them to live in. Father, I pray for restoration. Father, I pray for new beginnings. I pray for new power. I pray for new revelation. I pray for new perspective. Father, I pray for a new prayer life, Father, that draws them deeper and deeper into intimate moments of experiencing your presence. Father, I pray your word comes alive and becomes a rhema unto their hearts. Showing revelation and showing all the different parts and facets of the beauty of who you are in their life. And Father, just like with Peter, I pray the past be done with and a new thing be brought up. So Father, we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.